Listen, waxing can be a very erotic event. Um, question. I just got the COVID vaccine sh- today. Should I be drinking? Does it matter? Nope. Nope. Welcome to Holy Spirits, the show where we're not going to heaven, but you, es posible. My name's Mike. (laughs) I'm Tara. I'm Heather. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts. Please like, review, and subscribe. Join our Facebook group, Holy Spirits the Podcast, and our email address is holyspiritspodcast at gmail.com. Hell yeah, that was our best intro ever. <laughs> it was neat. It was clean. I didn't fuck it up the first time. And we didn't even practice. It was amazing. I know. You guys, it's been forever. I know. It has been forever. We had a winter hiatus. It wasn't like super planned. <laughs> we basically just <laughs> fell off the face of the earth. We did. But we it, did. we're going to call that winter hiatus. Yes. Yeah, it was like, yeah. you know, we were doing a holiday thing. We were appropriating Saturnalia and calling it Christmas. And then we were like, listen, we have a two month hangover to attend to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I love fine. It. Yeah. Very true. I was living my best life, seriously. <laughs> I mean, honest to God, Heather has had the best time out yeah. of all of us. I've really gone not. through a many of emotions about this hiatus and everything that's happened during it. Heather, though, I mean, <laughs> she's just spiritually invested in everything. Yeah. Terry, you poor baby. You've just been through a shit show, but... But I'm here for you. Yeah, I mean, it, as it should be, this is all about me. Every trials and tribulations. But you can't just tease the listeners. You have to give us something. I mean, just to start off, like, I think everyone who knows us and who's listened through the whatever many episodes we've done, I don't even know, <laughs> is that we all started this because we were friends just fooling around at work and coworkers and we were like, oh, shit, we should probably, like, stop doing this during company time, and we're pretty funny, so maybe we'll record it. <laughs> and, you know, COVID has been a shitty year for everyone, and unfortunately, our company had to take some, you know, decisions, and part of those decisions was for Heather to no longer work with us, and that it was very traumatizing for me, <laughs> let alone <laughs> whatever Heather's feelings like, were about it. <laughs> I went through complete and utter devastation. Yeah. I was on my couch for like a week or possibly even two, just crying and eating Doritos and binge watching Netflix. <laughs> I was just... Where I was still going to work every day, but doing the same thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was, I mean, to my boss, I'm very sorry for that. Those two weeks <laughs> to where I was probably not on my best. But on theme to how um, I am very full of myself, I've turned Heather's dismay of life events into a devastation of my own. And um, that was the jumping off point of my, I guess, winter hiatus of shithood, (laughs) where Heather has turned it into a very spiritually... (laughs) investment (laughs) moment into her life family and home Mm -hmm. and I've just literally been slightly catatonic and also a bitch (laughs) to some people (laughs) so to my husband also I love you (laughs) (laughs) but we're coming out of it we're coming out we have high hopes 
and things will get better. Yeah, we're still going to be producing the podcast altogether. And we still love each other. Still love each other. That is absolutely the most important thing is that we still love each other. Yeah. Mike was so sweet when I first laid off. I know you were texting me and checking in, making sure I was doing it right. I was. I really appreciated that, yeah. Mike. Yeah. We're all still friends. We're all, we'll get through it. <laughs> it's just life, life happening at us. But yeah, so we're back at it. We just needed to take some time to, I guess, lick our wounds a little and just like yeah. get through. And also, the holidays are rough, guys. We're and it was rough. fucking freezing in Kansas City. It was so cold. single digits and horrific. Honestly, so. what a dick move on the weather, too. Everyone is dicks. <laughs> Everyone. Well, who are we talking about? Are we talking about the Bible today? Aren't there some yeah. dicks in there, too? Okay, yeah, well, we hang just... on. Firstly, let's do our Holy Spirit of the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was my whole thing I was excited about. This time around, we decided to do a mimosa competition. Mm-hmm. So Tara is extremely excited. Tara, does that mean you want to go first or last? Last. Absolutely. Last. Okay. Uh, okay. Heather, why don't you get, get us started? Yep. So I have a combination of pomegranate kombucha, orange juice, and champagne. Love it. A splash of pomegranate. It's it's really good. We here in the homosexual household have decided to take like a particularly eccentric twist on the mimosas. So I'm presently drinking, it's uh, champagne with pineapple juice and peach schnapps, Ooh. which will change your fucking life if you've never had a mimosa with peach schnapps before. And then we topped it off with just like a little bit of dragon fruit, which gives it like a little bit of pink. <laughs> the color is like running what? down. So I actually, I snapped a picture of it. I'm also drinking it out of a champagne glass that is slightly oversized and they're Mr. and Mr. His and His champagne glasses. Oh my God, that's adorable. So I'm really doing the most. Oh my God. Okay. Tara, lay it on us. Okay. Yeah. So I did also my own twist of this because I actually am not a huge fan of orange juice. So I completely took away the orange of the juice factor. And I decided to go into the avenue of basically like a spiked lemonade type-esque thing where I hand squeezed (gasps) my own lemons (laughs) and made my own lemonade and then muddled my own blueberries and made a blueberry syrup that I drizzled (laughs) around the side of my cup. Oh my God. Into a spiral effect and then have laid out a slice of lemon on the bottom of my cup, took crushed ice that I hit with a meat texturizer (laughs) in a bag to crush it up to make, even though my new fridge has the ability to crush ice, I decided not to utilize that feature (laughs) to just go extra. And then I basically did, so I have my layer of lemon at the bottom. I have my sides with the uh, beautiful artistic representation of blueberries and then my crushed ice. And then I poured my lemonade in and then I poured my champagne in and then I spiralized a lemon. (laughs) But I would like to also let you guys all know that I had no cup to put this in. (laughs) The only option that I had is literally like this purple tumbler thing that's not clear. So nobody gets to see it, but it tastes fantastic. It sounds fantastic. Well, it sounds like I came in last (laughs) because I just threw some shit together. I don't know. Kombucha. 
Kombucha's like ass in a cup, <laughs> so I'm not sure why you thought that was the way to go. I don't know. Some people like it, I guess. I love kombucha. It's fermented Ooh. tea. I love kombucha. I think the problem is I don't like tea. Oh, yeah. In any case, you guys have to get pictures. I took a picture of mine. We can post them. Yeah, I mean, I'll take a picture okay. of my really ugly cut. I mean, yeah, but honestly, Tara, <laughs> I'm uh, still hung up on the very first detail of this hand-squeezed, like, lemon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially because we started by talking about the hardships of this winter, and it we literally began with, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Mike, that is beautiful. And, like... Shut up, because I made the lemonade. (laughs) When life gives Tara lemons, Tara makes lemonade. Yep, I just sent you guys a picture of my cup and how you really seriously cannot tell that I've been all that work. Oh my god! Oh my god! Damn, Mike, your picture is like needs to be in a magazine. Well, I mean, tell me more. It's (laughs) amazing. Okay, so today we are talking about specifically Jacob, but kind of Jacob and Esau. I'm so pumped on who the hell these people are. I know. Because I have no idea who Esau is. Esau? Esau? Me either. And my cousin Julie, remember, our number one and only fan in Oklahoma City. Shout out. Shout out to Julie. Shout out to Julie. <laughs> Love you, Julie. She was going, what's your next episode about? And I told her, and she's like, and you're not allowed to Google anything about it, are you? And I'm like, no. And she just thought, she's like, no. She's like, so you don't know anything. I'm like, no. <laughs> but she reminded me that I was not allowed to research or Google. She knows the rules better than I do. Clay told me too. He was like, don't you Google it. Don't you Google don't you it. Do it. It's going to be good. Don't you do he it. He has so much faith in Mike right now of being entertaining. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a lot of pressures on Mike. Yeah. I don't know if I can live up to this. Yeah. First of all, what do you guys know about Jacob slash Jacob and Esau? That Jacob is the important one because he his story continues on. That is correct. Oh. Because that's that's all I know because <laughs> I have to talk about it because I get to do the next episode. Mm. So that's right. the only reason I know. That's fair. Heather, what do you got? I know nothing. I mean, I've nothing. heard I've heard Jacob and Esau before. Just like those two names together. Hmm. But I know nothing. Okay, so to put it into a bit more of a pop culture perspective, you guys know the play Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. You know how yeah. there's that song, Jacob and Sons? Uh-huh. uh-huh this uh-huh. is Jacob. We're going to meet the sons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Side note, one thing that would be helpful for me is in relation to our last episode... How are they related? Sure. So we talked pretty extensively about Abraham. Remember, Abraham came from Mesopotamia and God said, even though he and his wife, Sarah, were old, that they were going to have a kajillion descendants. They were going to outnumber the stars, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. God promised to Abraham the land of Canaan, the promised land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Abraham kind of Hangs out in Canaan. Remember, he pounces down to Egypt for a little bit, and the pharaoh tries to fuck Sarah, and then is like, yep. "Oh shit! Wait, that's your—that's not your sister. That's your wife." Your wife. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. As a side note, Abraham um, has a son with his handmaid Ishmael, who he like banished because Sarah got like annoyed, right? Yeah, because she got like weirdly jealous because she finally had a baby, and she was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah." Right. And the baby that Sarah has is Isaac. Okay, so that's Jacob's dad. 
Yes. And so yeah. Isaac is who we, we start with because Abraham is dead. I think we, we had Abraham's death in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Yep. Cool. Excellent. Oh, and Isaac, remember Sarah dies and uh, Isaac is really sad. Do you remember this? And he ends up marrying Rebecca who comforts him. Yeah. Yeah. So Isaac is 40 when he marries Rebecca. And so apparently after 20 years pass, when he's 60, he prays for kids. And then boom, Rebecca gets pregnant immediately because that is how it works. The man <laughs> motivates the reproduction. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's all about the man. All Strong about the man. Art, yeah. Bible. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> so, so Rebecca is like, these kids are like jostling around in my womb. Like they seem to be kind of turbulent in there. And then God says, and this is Genesis 25, 23. God says, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the other will serve the younger. So we already have a prophecy, which also does not fucking bode well for the Bible. Yeah. So yeah. the two boys are born. The first boy, the firstborn is Esau, who apparently is covered in like red hair. Esau might mean hairy. So sometimes people interpret <laughs> that to mean that he's covered in hair, like hypertrichosis, like that thing mm-hmm. where like all of your pores have hair, like you look yeah. kind of like a werewolf. Right. Okay, I think I missed telling you something that Clay told me. You, you okay. did, because I almost I, made a comment. I'm like, no. Okay, hold on. Clay, so as I'm walking downstairs, Clay, like, I was like, hey, close the door. And he's like, two words for you. Harry arms. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, nothing more, nothing less. Harry oh, arms. arms. Speaking and of I'm, prophecies. And I was I like, wait. yeah, thanks for that. Okay, but literally Esau's hairiness is a plot point. Okay. So bear this in mind. All right. Love that for him. Mm -hmm. So the second born is Jacob, who is holding his brother by the heel as he's born. So like Esau is born and then Jacob is like a clinger on. Like, wait for me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So they name him Jacob from the word Aqib, which means heel. So then the boys kind of grow up and they split in different directions. Esau becomes a skillful hunter and he bags a lot of game, literal game, not figurative game. I was going to say, whoa! (laughs) Yeah, he bags a lot of babes. Uh, But apparently Isaac really likes the taste of game. Uh, So Esau becomes Isaac's favorite and they have like a hunting bond. And Jacob, who kind of seems to be brainier than brawny, becomes Rebecca's favorite. So we immediately have mom and dad picking favorites. Mm -hmm. Very healthy. Yeah. And then one day Esau shows up at home and he's starving. And Jacob is making stew because I guess that's what you do when you're the the little gay kid. Uh, (laughs) So Esau asks for some stew, which I think is very reasonable. And Jacob says, you can have some in exchange for your birthright. Which is that seems okay. extreme. Questionable. Extreme. <laughs> like, I'll just go pick an apple off a tree. Well, and Esau <laughs> says, um, if I'm going to starve to death, which I fucking am right now, I don't really give a fuck. So you can have my birthright. I can't enjoy it if I'm dead. So he swears over his birthright. Okay. But also, like, by missing a meal, he was going to starve to death? Or he'd been away for a while. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's one of those really weird, there are like no other details. So we don't really know the circumstances. And of course, it's very like folksy. It's probably not literal. 
I just love that Heather's like, yeah, so one meal you'll be fine, dumbass <laughs> move. Where I'm like... Um, they're lentils. They're yeah. a superfood. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm like, obviously there was something here. And I'm like, dumbass. <laughs> but also, like, I really enjoy that he was smart enough to be like, yeah, can't enjoy it if I'm dead. So sure, live your life, bro. Yeah. Loving this. Because Esau swore over the birthright, the birthright means head of the family. And there are judicial authority kind of connotations to that where, you know, the patriarch makes a lot of major decisions. um, And whenever there's family conflict, of course, the patriarch is supposed to step in. So Esau is swearing all of that over to Jacob. And the one with the birthright gets double the inheritance that the other descendants get. So that also means wealth that Esau is swearing over to Jacob pretty quickly. And so the general interpretation of this story is that Esau is really reckless. And he kind of, he's the one that you can't really trust money with, right? Because as soon as something happens, he's like, yeah, whatever, I'm just going to give it away. Uh, Or, you know, blow it on a Ferrari and then be like, oh shit, I'm out of money. (laughs) So what Jacob does is technically not illegal under... uh, the interpretation of the Jewish law, but it is like pretty dishonorable, but also it's one of those things where he was being kind of a dick, but Esau was making himself like a really easy target. And it's like, you shouldn't, you should kind of maybe not be such an easy fucking target for your brother. I was totally going to go in the direction that Jacob was being a douchebag. I mean, (laughs) if my sister was like starving, I'd give her some stew just because, you know, she's my sister and I love her. I wouldn't make her sign up sign over her birthright yeah that's because you have a good relationship with your siblings as somebody who is very competitive with her siblings and then also like love my siblings to death but in terms of responsibility i'm definitely reigning supreme here it would like and if i was like all right you know like my brother was gonna get you know all the jewels and everything and be able to make decisions for my family, I would have been like, mm, you hungry? Let me be the ruler and you can have some food. I 100% would pull a Jacob. Sorry, Tyler, but I would 100% do it. One of the things that we have to remember, too, is that, I mean, we're Americans. We generally have a pretty egalitarian view of family where even older siblings are not really more, quote unquote, important. Mm-hmm. The thing that Esau is swearing over to Jacob is the thing that makes Esau literally the the kid that you pull out of the house when it's on fire like jacob is not important to this family in the way that esau is and so he's kind of trying to reclaim that status you know what i mean it's it's much much more uh political dimensional than just like don't we all hate our siblings yeah i don't know i'm i'm a jacob supporter i feel this in my soul i'm surprised Hmm. No. Jacob is going to be both the hero and the villain of most of today. So even better. Like Honestly, I'm it. really personally identifying with Jacob right now. <laughs> okay, so those are the boys. So now we're going to go back to dad. So remember, that's Isaac, the son of Abraham. Mm-hmm. So there's a new famine in the land. And do you remember uh, Abraham also had a famine and that's why he went to Egypt? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then had to hide his wife yes exactly mm-hmm. bear that in mind okay this time god tells isaac to stay in the promised land so that they can be blessed so that their descendants can outnumber the stars in the sky like we go back over and over and over again how how many fucking descendants this family is going to have 
I mean, also but, the stars in the sky. Like, that's, that's just... a lot. Wow. Oh. So Isaac goes to Gerar, which is a Philistine town in Canaan under King Abimelech. Um, this might be the same King Abimelech that Abraham interacted with, but it might be different and it doesn't really matter. But when he gets there, Isaac says that Rebecca is his sister, not his wife, because she's too hot and he doesn't want to get... Wait, this sounds familiar. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, wait, what? So Abraham, if you recall, Abraham did this twice. He did it once in Egypt, and he did it once in Gerar, and he did it with a king Abimelech, possibly the same one. Can you imagine this king being like, <laughs> God! Like, what the fuck is wrong with this family, man? <laughs> yeah. How many sisters are you guys boning? <laughs> like, God! Oh, so then Abimelech sees Isaac caressing or sporting with Rebecca, and he's like, wait. Uh, so, so Isaac explains that he didn't want to get murdered, and Abimelech was like, if someone else had fucked her, that would have been so gross and bad, so anyone who touches Isaac is going to be put to death. Hold on, do you mean anyone who touches Rebecca will be put to death? Uh, anyone who touches either of them, I think. Oh, okay. I was like, who cares if they touch Isaac? Like, <laughs> Wait, yeah. Man. So this is one of the best like indications that the things that we're talking about at this point in the Bible are not real history, right? These are... This is the best indication okay. of that? <laughs> well, kinda. Because, okay, so for example, when we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed, mm-hmm. um, and there's like a pillar of fire, uh-huh. one of the theories is that that story is true, but rather than God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, the story is about like a a meteorite impact that wiped those cities out. And then people kind of made up a history that made sense with that narrative. Hmm. I was just going to say, is anything in the Bible real history? Yes, actually. (laughs) Even the Old Testament, like most of the Jesus stuff is probably based on true events, even if it's not objectively true. But there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that like, you know, the ancient Assyrians also had records or the ancient Egyptians wrote something down. I mean, there's a lot of folklore like this. There's a lot of mythology stuff, but um, there's also quite a bit of real history to be had. Yeah, Heather. Be I'm a sorry. I just got owned. <laughs> How fuck like, you um, sit down. Yeah. God, like, Heather. Is, it any, is any of it real? <laughs> just drink your kombucha. <laughs> I love it when Mike puts me in my place. I know. (laughs) Actually. Actually. So anyway, this just seems like it's the same story and they're retelling it and it kind of gets mixed up. You know, who's in Gerar with King Abimelech? Was it Abraham or was it Isaac? I don't know. Like maybe it happened more than once. Who really knows? And it's important to remember. So two of them happened to Abraham. One happens to Isaac. Two of them happen in Gerar, one happens in Egypt. And in all three stories, we kind of see the same themes of uh, deceiving a king. The king is actually kind of a nice guy. Uh, It turns out to not be that big of a deal, but the uh, husband in question was really worried about it. And then inevitably, Abraham twice and Isaac once, the protagonist always makes out with more wealth than they had going into the story because they're kind of friends with the king. Hmm. So then Isaac is just chilling in Gerar for a while. He has a really good harvest because like, duh, he has God on his side. 
and he keeps getting richer and richer until the Philistines are kind of mad and jealous. And Abimelech is like, listen, you're pretty powerful now. Uh, you need to leave. And apparently the Philistines start filling in the wells that Abraham's servants dug when he was alive. I think I mentioned oh. that really briefly in the Abraham episode, but there's like a whole thing about wells and a vow that Abraham swore with Abimelech. And so Isaac is like, digging more wells and the philistines are filling in wells to be like get the fuck out of here you don't get water and so he digs a couple the philistines cover them back up and then he digs one and the philistines don't protest so he's like perfect this is my place like i'm, I'm clearly far enough away now that i can stay here mm-hmm. so that's how they kind of land then god shows up and he's like blessing time let's rock and roll so isaac builds an altar and is doing god things and then abimelech shows up again with an advisor and the commander of his armed forces and isaac's like um you guys were dicks to me uh why are you coming to see me now and they're like listen we want to make a treaty like we didn't want you around but clearly you're blessed and we don't want the wrath of god to rain down on us so, like, remember that we didn't hurt you. We just made you leave. Like, when when God's asking you about how we did, like, maybe leave, like, a four-star review. <laughs> and so they eat together, and they swear an oath, and they fuck off. And then the servants dig a well, and they find water. So Isaac names the settlement uh, Beersheba, Beersheba, which means the well of the oath. I wanted to talk about this just really briefly because a lot of the story with Isaac and Jacob, and some of it with Abraham, too, a lot of it was place names and it seems like a lot of this particular part of Genesis is about creating a folklore story that explains the place name. So like Beersheba is still a place in Israel. There are lots of, you know, places like this that we're going to talk about. And it, it just kind of feels like, you know, a man walked by me and his name was Nebraska. And so (laughs) I decided to name this space. Stretch of cornfield, Nebraska. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's super what we're doing right now. Mm. Drink time! Drink time. Yeah. Everybody take All a right. drink. Okay. So now we're chilling in Beersheba. This is where we're living. As one does. So let's get back to the boys. So Esau, Mr. Harry Man, Mr. Furry. Uh, I believe I have canonically said on the podcast, I love me a hairy man, so it's okay. The more, the more you learn about Mike. I mean, I guess I do understand that because Justin's very hairy. Oh. So you have a theme. Justin's adorable. Justin is adorable. Oh Honestly, I don't understand why we hang out with Mike. I know. I know. Purely out of convenience. Yeah. Justin just looks so, ooh, just snuggable just like you just want to you know okay let's just like a side note here um today justin this is the thing that justin does routinely he left and he was like i'm not gonna walk our beloved neighbor's dog today because i want to have both hands free so that i can pick up trash in the park yeah and then he came back and was like clementine looks really lonely i have to take her for a walk (laughs) (laughs) justin and he bakes and he bakes he bakes he bakes vegan and gluten-free baked goods sweet sweet so hit us up at holy spirits (laughs) yeah if you send us an email we'll hook you up yeah Yeah. let us know what you need not for free though we have we need to turn a profit yeah Yeah. actually i did help him price out his baked goods but that's another story yeah um that's not until we get to genesis chapter 40 
<laughs> so speaking of 40, when Esau is 40, uh, he marries two. That transition. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> Thank yes. you. When Esau is 40, he marries two Hittite women, Judith and Basimat. And apparently Isaac and Rebecca really do not like the Hittite women, but we don't get a lot more detail as to why. We get some indications later that Isaac doesn't like Hittites. Hmm. So it seems that the Hittites are at least one of the groups of the like wicked Canaanites, right? Remember, mm. God promises the Holy Land to Abraham, but it's full of wicked people that need yeah. to be like removed. And so apparently Esau ended up marrying someone like pre-gentrification neighborhood. And the family is not about that because they're super fucking racist. As a side note, so like, the Israelites are a Semitic speaking people, right? Um, okay. They're like technically from the Middle East. They speak a language that's related to Arabic. It's Hebrew. It's uh, related to ancient Akkadian, which they spoke in Mesopotamia. So the Hittites are actually an Indo-European group. So they're really, really distantly related to most European languages. I have to do this because this is my niche. The Hittite word ara is, uh, is related to the Greek harmonia harmony the hittite word means right or proper ara harmonia means harmony so like they are kind of related to us like in a way because we're english speakers and english is also an indo-european language so it's really interesting to me that hittites land in this you know contemptuous group of the bible another really important thing to understand is that the hittites who are ethnically hittite and who speak a hittite language Baked into that, almost certainly, is also Hittite religion. And so that means that you can assume that they worship gods who are not Yahweh and who are not related to Yahweh, and Yahweh is probably not even in their purview. So you are basically marrying heathens, and we're going to have to kill all of them and take their land, so like, why are you bothering to marry them, is the subtext. I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, I'm following it, it doesn't make it less racist yeah <laughs> like it just sounds horrible all the way around yeah. yeah so yeah that's that's how esau's life is going at the moment um poor esau <laughs> he yeah. wanted some goddamn stew yeah. he loses his he was just hungry you know. he was just and it hungry. doesn't say anything about his relationship with his two wives but um it's interesting to me that he chose two women who his parents clearly don't approve of. Like, why did he choose those women? It, it never gives an explanation. Like, did he love them? Did they, like, make him a lot of money? Like, what, what exactly are we looking at? And we never get an explanation. Hmm. So then Isaac gets old, and he's kind of blind. And so he calls out to Esau, and he says, Esau, go hunt some game for me. Because I really like it. Yeah, because I love it. Um, yeah. Make me a meal so that I can eat the meat that I like before I die. And then once you give me that meat, I'll give you my blessing. So Esau scampers off into the wilderness to hunt for some meat. And like, Rebecca, this is my time. Yeah, like I'm going to shine now. And Rebecca overheard this and she tells Jacob about it. And she tells him to go get two goats and Rebecca can cook them the way that Isaac likes. And then Jacob can receive the blessing. Rebecca. 
And Jacob's like, um, Esau's really hairy and I'm not but a twink. Uh, <laughs> if he touches me, the jig is up and he'll probably end up cursing me. And Rebecca says that she'll take the curse if that happens. What? So they dress Jacob up in Esau's clothes and they cover his skin in the goat skin so that he feels hairy. Oh my God. So then Jacob <laughs> goes to Esau. Jacob goes to Isaac and claims to be Esau. And Isaac's like, wow, that was fast. Nice hunting. Yeah. Jacob's like, oh yeah, God helped speed things up. Uh-huh. And so Isaac is like, oh, let me just touch you and confirm that you're really Esau. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'm Esau. And so Jacob feeds his father the meat that he wanted and he gives him some wine and Isaac kisses him and smells his clothes. Remember they're Esau's clothes and he gives him a really nice blessing. So this is Genesis 27, 27. This is the blessing. Uh, The smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. (laughs) And then right when Jacob leaves, Esau gets back from hunting and is like, Hey, Dad, won't you bless me? Here's your meat. Here's your meat. Why Why can't he bless... Why can't he bless both sons? Is there a rule? (laughs) So it's kind of like a rule so when esau gets back and he asks for um isaac to bless him you can kind of imagine how isaac's heart sinks and he's Mm -hmm. like i already gave my blessing to somebody you're saying it wasn't you (laughs) uh and isaac says specifically i can't give you another blessing because remember magic and religion are kind of indistinguishable the performance of saying something aloud like a spell or a blessing or a prayer that has immense power. And this is true across cultures. Uh, Yeah. It's the kind of the idea that actions have consequences. Right. You can kind of think of it like, I mean, just like how we, we don't say Yahweh, we say God because the action of saying Yahweh's name is too powerful. It's too great. You're invoking the name of the one true God. That's like, way 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 too much and so we all collectively as a society still only call god god which is the name of what you call deities it's not what his actual name is Mm -hmm. so it's kind of that same principle or it's kind of like how when people are talking about like the fuck word Mm -hmm. uh, people will often you know say well the f word blah 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 and they won't say fuck is a really bad thing to say because once you've said it you can't unsay it and that act like it's very significant so what i'm saying is that this is like part of a, a human kind of consciousness thing that it seems that most people kind of get gotcha but yeah he he said it out loud therefore it is the bell is wrong there's no one ringing it uh do you so before i go on and finish the exchange with isaac and esau do you have any immediate reactions for jacob stealing his brother's blessing yeah like now i've lost jacob's respect because like listen here you already were man of the hour. You, you know, sullied his good name for some stew. Mm-hmm. And now you're just like, I need everything. Like, he literally went golem on this. And, like, just... <sighs> he doesn't have to be everything. Yeah, very greedy. Mm-hmm. Very... Mm-hmm. Well, but again, it's that uh, 
legalistic culture where he's trying to just get his foot in the door. And in order to get your foot in the door, it's kind of everything or nothing. So he's trying to take everything that he can from Esau so that he can be successful in his life, which does not make it better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it, but you don't have to like it. Different, different times. You don't have to like it. It's already happened. (laughs) You don't have to like it, Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Isaac tells him that there's no blessing left and that technically Jacob is Lord over Esau now and Esau begs and cries and Isaac gives him a different blessing. Of course he does. So the, the different blessing is your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. So it's like, your life's going to be fucking terrible, but maybe one day... <laughs> I was say, what kind of blessing is that? Well, I feel like it's a very Karl Marx blessing. It's like, well, eventually, my son, there will be a revolution, and the worker shall seize the means of production. Like, what? <laughs> so Esau says that as soon as Isaac croaks, he's going to fucking kill Jacob. I mean, interesting uh-huh. turn. Uh-huh. I mean, right? It shows you, too, the kind of patriarchal respect that honestly, that Jacob is trying to steal from Esau, that Esau won't kill Jacob now. He wants to wait until Isaac is dead because the patriarch is fucking in charge. And that's why Jacob is trying to become the patriarch at the expense of his brother. But anyway, it's not fucking safe for Jacob right now. And Rebecca hears about all of this. Remember, Rebecca, thus far, technically the plot was all her idea. Yeah, honestly, she's the trouble. And there's got to be like a gender dynamic in there too worth exploring because i mean is she just living vicariously through her son on like the power because i could never have it because i am a woman that's kind of my thought um so one of the podcasts that i'm listening to right now is the history of rome which is fabulous is that what it's called the history of rome yeah and one of the things that the host says that really resonated with me was that because rome was patriarchal the very most power a woman could have is like elevating her son to power. Because when your son is the emperor, he will take care of you, usually. Uh, obviously not universally, but but you know, a woman can never hold power in the same way. And even if you're the wife of the emperor, the emperor probably will favor his mom over you. Again, not universally, but that's kind of the place that you want to be is, is the mother of the emperor. And Elevating the men who are going to take care of you is kind of your best shot. So it sounds like Jacob had a really close relationship with Rebecca. So Rebecca wants Jacob to be in charge because she thinks that that'd be better for her than Esau. Okay, I was just going to say, because like Esau is her son as well. Yeah, right. That's just, I mean, I have two sons. (laughs) Well, you better start putting your money on one of them. I know, like this is just blowing my mind. Like how could she, oh, I don't know. So Rebecca hears about this. She sends Jacob to stay with her brother. So that's Jacob's uncle until Esau cools off. And then she'll send for him once Esau is no longer on like a murderous rampage. But just to kind of rub salt in the wound. And I think that this is pretty revealing about Rebecca's relationship with Esau. She mentions kind of offhandedly, like nothing really prompts this, but she says that she fucking hates living with Esau's wives, Esau's Hittite wives. And she says, if Jacob marries a Hittite, her life will not be worth living. Damn. So again, this might be kind of a racial thing. It might be kind of a religious thing. But it sounds like Esau 
kind of screwed his life up by marrying these uh, women who are outsiders and by giving away his birthright. And so, yeah, it's like, yeah, you you don't get your blessing. I'm going to go with my son who I prefer over you anyway so that he lives a good life so that he takes care of me. And like you stop bringing these fucking foreigners into my house, which, again, does not make it better or less racist. And yeah, he is very much still her son. Right. But I'm just saying that's probably what she was thinking. But she's mad. But she's mad. <laughs> she's mad. But she's mad. You do not want to piss off your mama. Yeah. So, so now Jacob is going to leave so that he can, whatever, be safe. So Isaac calls for Jacob and blesses him. And this time, I guess it's fucking on purpose. Um, their relationship doesn't get a lot more detail. So it's kind of hard to know. We know that Esau was Isaac's favorite, at least when they were younger. It's kind of unclear how that dynamic evolved, especially with, you know, the Hittite women, for example. But in any case, Isaac does bless Jacob before he goes. And he tells him not to marry a Canaanite woman. Instead, he says, go to Mesopotamia, get a wife from his mother's family, from Rebecca's family, since he's going to, you know, go to Rebecca's family anyway, because that's where he's going to be safe. And then he says that Jacob will have tons of descendants, take the land that God promised to Abraham. So the same prophecy that we keep seeing. Uh, So then Esau finds out that Jacob has left. And he also finds out that Isaac told Jacob to not marry a Canaanite woman. And he's like, wow, love to be the family disappointment. (laughs) So he actually goes and marries a third wife, Mahalat, who is Ishmael's daughter. So his first cousin. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I need a family tree, Mike. (laughs) There are family trees on Wikipedia. Yeah. I do recommend. But again, it's kind of too little too late for Esau. But that doesn't seem to bring... Yeah, I was just going to say, does that not bring him any favor? Because... It doesn't sound like it. But we kind of... We follow Jacob as Jacob leaves. And so that's kind of the last that we see of Esau for several years. Okay, because we're like, bye, this isn't good for me. Yeah, it's like, please don't kill me, see ya. Okay, even though he's like the leader of the family, he's like, I'm out. Well, he's not leader of the family yet, technically, because Isaac is still alive. But he's going to be by right. Okay, even though he abandons and is like, I'm out. Well, but he left with Isaac's literal blessing. It's not like he was, you know, just absconded with all the family jewels in the middle of the night. Not like he was banished. Or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jacob leaves Beersheba, and he heads toward Rebecca's family in Haran. Um, on the way, he stops and sleeps for the night, and he uses a stone as a pillow which sounds terrible, but that's what it Like, poor says. sweet baby. Yeah. So he dreams of a stairway or a ladder that extends from the earth up to heaven, and angels are going back and forth. That sounds nice. So the Lord is there, and in Genesis 28, this is verses 13 through 15, it says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Okay. 
which is like he fled Canaan because of like a dumb family squabble of like he fucked over his brother and mm-hmm. now he's like I gotta get out of town mm-hmm. and now we're doing like divine god things right yeah. it's like oh shit like, how <laughs> do we jump this far? yeah this whole thing sounds like super petty and stupid but god is like it almost feels to me like god is coming down to this family again to be like I know you're caught up in your own stupid fucking bullshit but <laughs> I am like, trying this is about me <laughs> give you a you know blessing and a land and a legacy and you fuckers keep you know fighting amongst yourselves instead and i need you to fight about me mm-hmm. right and you notice that so first of all want to highlight again that we get another um, multiplicity of descendants metaphor in uh, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth mm-hmm. dust is obviously tiny particles that spread like crazy uh it's kind of a mundane descriptor where god is like a being of light and storm and dust is like pathetic human garbage but also uh remember adam was made of dust so we're looking at you know you your descendants will be humanity is kind of one of the bits of subtext there okay possibly that your descendants will be more human than other humans okay (laughs) I feel like we're stretching a little, but I'm following. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> Rooting for me. Um, so Christians, I will say too, believe that this this scene uh, called Jacob's Ladder, Christians believe that it foretells Jesus too, because Jesus bridges heaven and earth. Um, and so when when Jacob has this dream, it's more of a prophecy. And it's kind of when God comes to you, when God makes promises to you, God makes connections to the earth and those connections are very holy and very important. So in any case, Jacob wakes up and he's like, God's here. And so he takes the stone that he slept on and he pours oil onto it. And he calls the place, the house of God or Bethel. Beth means house as in Bethlehem and El means God as in Michael. So we're learning Hebrew very slowly. Okay. So is this like this stone, the start of Bethlehem? Uh, no, it's oh, okay. a different Beth, but you know, Beth meaning house. Okay. Cause Bethlehem, I think means house of bread uh-huh, uh-huh. and Bethel is house of God. Okay. Okay. Uh, so he says that if God feeds and clothes him, he will use that stone probably figuratively to build a house of God that, you know, he'll use to worship God and he will tithe 10% of all that you give me. I will give you a 10th. So 10% of his earnings to God. Is this where tithing came from? Possibly. I mean, it's a folk origin mm-hmm. of tithing. Yeah. So anyway, Jacob gets to Haran and he's chatting with some shepherds about watering their flocks of sheep from a well and the well is covered in a big rock. I don't really know why that detail was important to keep in the story. Uh, and then his cousin Rachel walks up and she has some more sheep. So Rachel is Laban's daughter. Laban is, or Lavan is Rebecca's brother. So Rachel is his first cousin. So as Rachel walks up, Jacob rolls the stone away from the well and waters the sheep. And then he runs over to her and kisses her and weeps. And he tells her who he is. And then she runs off and tells her father and her father comes and welcomes Jacob. I have no idea why the stone being on the well was so important. Like, I do not understand the mechanics of this. I tried to okay, look it up. I'm glad that you're saying that because I'm like, I do not understand where this, like, 
Go. Well, and it sounds like his cousin walked up and he was like, Jesus, I'm so horny for her. And then like, raise the stone with the strength of his boner. Like, I don't get it. I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> okay. I'm validating me because mm-hmm. I'm like. And truly, I, d- I tried to look it up. If you have any theological interpretation for that, I would be glad to hear it. Holy Spirits podcast at gmail.com. I was just going to say, email us, Facebook <laughs> us. Yeah, send me a Facebook message. So anyway, Jacob stays with Laban for a month. And then Laban says, you know, just because your family doesn't mean I won't pay you. What do you want in payment? For doing what? For like helping out with the sheep and shit. Okay. Tending the flocks. Like what? Just laying around? Like eating Cheetos? Kissing his daughter? (laughs) Yeah. It's important to note these people are probably nomads still. They're probably not uh, farming in any meaningful way. Uh, Or, you know, not, not a lot. So we're talking about kind of pastoral nomads who tend their flocks and kind of wander from place to place. There's a lot of talk. I mean, Abraham obviously moved locations several times. Uh, Jacob and Isaac will also move locations several times. They just like pick up their tent and like pack shit up and then move to the next place when the weather gets bad. Like that's kind of how it works when you're a nomad. keeping the flocks around and making sure the sheep are in good shape like that's all very much part of the if you are in the family you are helping to do things like this Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway so so jacob is helping out and laban offers payment and so laban has two daughters so leah is the older one and she has bad eyes not much about leah's eyes except when she's introduced i don't really know what's wrong with them but apparently her eyes are bad And the other daughter is Rachel, who's the hot one. And so Jacob says that he will work seven years to marry Rachel. And Laban basically says, better you than some rando. And he agrees. And then after seven years, and Genesis says that the seven years pass like days because Jacob is so in love with Rachel that the time just flies by. Uh, Jacob goes to Laban and is like, cool, I'm ready to fuck now. Mm -hmm. He literally says, my time is completed and I want to make love to her. Like he is diving boner first into this marriage. He's ready. Yeah. <laughs> and so they have a big wedding feast. But when Jacob goes to bed, he ends up fucking Leah instead. Mm-hmm. Laban mm-hmm. switched them out in the dark. And Jacob's like, um, excuse me, we had a deal. But Laban says that the older daughter has to be married first. And so Jacob can have Rachel too. If he works another seven years. Bait and switch. Bait and switch. And And he fucking does it. It it does seem like the story sequence that he marries. So he went seven years and then married Leah. Um, It sounds like for Rachel, he marries Rachel like immediately after he marries Leah. And then he works the seven years married to both women. Uh, So at least this time he doesn't have to wait, but like, Still, it's a pretty shitty trick. I was gonna say you had to wait fourteen years. <laughs> yeah, no. Rachel. Yeah, yeah. That didn't. That's not the case. But it's still fucking crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. I would be so pissed if I was Rachel. I I'd know, be so pissed right? if I was Leah. Oh, Leah. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Same. I'd be pissed all around. I mean, I mean, Rachel. Like, honestly, like, okay, a little annoyed, but she's still like the most beautiful. Still the most like you know, one that everyone wants. But if I was Leah and the only way that I could get anybody to love me and lay with me is because is to be switched in switched the dead out. of night. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, and we get none of their feelings at this yeah, point. Of course not. 
Of course not. Until Tara tells her story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, until Tara's episode. Yeah. So then God sees that Jacob is fucking Rachel more than he's fucking Leah. A lot of sex in the Bible. Yeah. So God's like, you know, this is pretty unfair. So he gives Leah the ability to conceive and not Rachel. Because again, reproduction is just like a faucet that you just like turn on. Mm -hmm. Um, So Leah has the first four sons. She has Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And then Rachel is like, wait, I want to have kids too. So Jacob is, (laughs) Jacob basically says, I am trying my fucking level best. (laughs) But this is a God problem, not a, not a, not a hoo-ha problem. And so Rachel gives Jacob her handmaid Bilhah to have kids instead. And that's exactly what, you know, his grandmother Sarah did for Abraham. So that's fucking interesting. And this is also, remember I mentioned when um, Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham, that that was not technically the scene that was the inspiration for The Handmaid's Tale. This is, this is that scene when uh when rachel gives bilhah to jacob so then bilhah gives birth to dan and naphtali i'm sorry i just dan her children's (laughs) name is dan Dan. like i just i just think after everyone has like these kind of like you know somewhat normal but like kind of unique biblical names then we have asshole Dan. It's just like Dan. <laughs> Dan. Like, and I just picture Joseph and his many colored the show with Donny Osmond. I just picture it to be like the most like annoying one of, <laughs> out of that group. Who's like, and I'm Dan, and I hate Joseph or Jacob or whatever his name is. I mean, while we're talking about the reproduction of the sons, the song Jacob and Sons. So we, this will be our cult song for this time. So my family, my entire family was in three church musicals, three fucking church musicals. We did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Uh, in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, my dad was the Pharaoh who does the Elvis song. Nice. When we did Godspell, my dad was Jesus. And when we did uh, Children of Eden, my parents were Adam and Eve. And my sister and I were child adam and child eve such a talented family i just since i know your parents i'm just literally living for this like it's so fucking weird you guys there's like an iconic picture of my my younger sister and i are standing on chairs barefoot wearing sheets as child adam and child eve and it is the creepiest picture it's well, so you know fucking you need funny. to post this yeah. now at least a picture please give yeah. me a picture yeah yeah we, we'll post it on the facebook group and it is fucking hilarious honest to god i'm i'm, just, I'm living for this yeah. if we could just interview mary and like how she felt like those wins well and like, emily and i like we would practice the naming song the naming the naming because because adam and eve name all the animals two-footed four-footed six-footed four-footed three-footed sharp-footed what a grand array oh like we did the whole fucking thing yeah, of course he did. My of face hurts from smiling. And, and so, and when I was doing this fucking thing to bring it back, um, the Donny Osmond version of the Jacob and Sons song was going through my head, where it was like, Neftali and Iskar with Asher and Dan, Zebulon and Gad <laughs> took the total to nine. And I'm like, no, stop, Jesus. 
Asher and Dan. Asher and Dan. Dan. And also, for the record, I didn't want to include this because it's kind of a pain in the ass, but every kid has, like, an explanation for their name in the Bible, Mm -hmm. where it'll be like, you know, I, you know, had a kid, and then it's like, you know, whatever, Rachel and I fought before so-and-so was born, so I'm going to name him Struggle, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So everybody, everybody's got like an explanation. It's not just like a random set of syllables that we put together. Okay, I just googled dance. Yeah. <laughs> What's Dan? Mean? Dan derives from Danny, meaning he has judged me, in re- in reference to Rachel's belief that she has gained a child as a result of the judgment of God. Yeah. Dan. <laughs> yeah. So that's anyway. Danny. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back, Dan and Naphtali are born by the handmaid Bilha, but then Leah comes back. She's already had four kids, remember? And she's like, wait, I'm not out of the game yet. If Rachel wants to use her handmaid, then I'm going to use mine. And so Leah gives Jacob her handmaid, Zilpa, who gives birth to Gad and Asher. So that's, uh, what do we have? Eight sons. And then we get this really interesting anecdote. And I kind of want to dwell on this for a second. Please. There's a really fascinating thing where Reuben... So Reuben is the oldest son, and he's Leah's son. And he's meandering around in the fields, and he finds some mandrakes, and he brings them to his mother. And then Rachel asks for the mandrakes, but Leah's like, um, you took my fucking husband. You can't have my mandrakes. My son is the one who found the mandrakes. And uh, Rachel says, okay, well, if you all you want is the husband, why don't you sleep with Jacob tonight? And then in exchange, you can give me some mandrakes. And it fucking works. And so Jacob fucks Leah that night. And, you know, Rachel gets her mandrakes. <laughs> and this is like, I'm so fucking interested in this story. Wait. <laughs> she's, she's bartering her husband for some mandrakes. And like, what the fuck are... What the fuck are mandrakes? Literally all I can envision of like are the little... The Harry Potter mandrakes. Harry Potter yeah. babies that they pull out of the <laughs> pots. And I'm like, surely they weren't eating babies mandrakes have all kinds of like medicinal properties they've been used in like magic rituals like there's all kinds of apparently um according to wikipedia there are some hallucinogenic and hypnotic effects um in some of the chemicals you know just so she wanted to have some a fun night yeah, yeah, kind of. It, it seems that they are, whatever, important in some way or another. And actually, if you go to the Mandrake article of Wikipedia, there is a little thing that discusses this particular anecdote. Okay. Um, so additional reading. But in any case, I, like, I'm fascinated by the story so much because we have not given Leah and Rachel nearly enough attention. We have not talked about them as people in any meaningful way. They are both legally Jacob's property, and they are selling him back and forth like a cheap-ass hooker for some goddamn plants. And there's something really, like, liberating about that in, like, mm-hmm. kind of a dark, bleak way. <laughs> Yep, and don't go further into it, because that's what I'm going into in my story. Because I was going to okay, say, okay. good for them, because, I mean, they're yeah. treated like property. Yeah, no, this is the avenue that I want to talk about in my okay. episode. Okay, so okay. Like, shut All right. up. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll move I'll on. I'll shut it down, we'll shut it down. Yeah. So then uh, Leah gets pregnant again, so apparently she is personally not out of the game. She has Issachar and then Zebulun, and then she has a daughter, Dina. 
uh, who Tara's going to talk about next time. The first and only daughter. Yeah, yeah, the only daughter. And then God remembers Rachel, and Rachel gives birth to Joseph. Mm, I thought there was one more. There will be a Benjamin. Benjamin is not born yet. Okay. Um, anyway, Sorry, those spoiler. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> now that Jacob is done having kids, he goes to Laban, and he's like, okay, like, can I go home now? Cause I've been working for you for forever. And this like, isn't my homeland. I kind of have a whole God thing going. Maybe you haven't heard of him. Yahweh. <laughs> and Laban is like, wait, um, God loves you. So I am blessed by having you around. So I'll pay you whatever you want to stay. And they kind of go back and forth. And then Jacob finally agrees and says that he will take any lamb or goat that is like spotted or speckled, you know, like has some kind of, coloration to them and he says that if there's one that he has that isn't spotted or speckled then laban will know that it's stolen so it's kind of a way to be like look how honest i am right you don't breed two sheep who are both spotted and then you get a white one like because of the way that that trade is heritable genetics yeah yeah. (laughs) science i might be over explaining this but anyway (laughs) anyway so that's his deal and so laban tries to cheat jacob again laban's whole thing is that he tries to cheat jacob but laban takes all of the speckled sheep out of the flock and he goes three days journey away so he takes them all and is like oh yeah sure you can just pick them out of this one i'm gonna take all of these and leave though and you can't take any of these anyway bye and it's like ah fuck so jacob takes a bunch of branches and he takes the bark off of them and that leaves white wood underneath and he puts the branches in the water trough so that when the animals drink in front of them and then they mate in front of them, all of the descendants are speckled. So he does get, you know, a a white sheep and a white sheep fuck and they come out with a speckled sheep. And it's like, ooh, that's what happens when God's watching out. Uh, And Laban means white in Hebrew. So this is probably like a pun on the uncle's name, which I think is very weird, but whatever. But I kind of am here for it. But he only, so Jacob only does that with the strong sheep and not the weak sheep. So all of the strong ones come back to Jacob and all of the weak ones go back to Laban. Uh, And it's important to, I mean, I was, I mentioned the kind of nomadic pastoral lifestyle before. Coins as money are not invented until like 500s BC. So when we're talking about wealth, we're talking about livestock, you know, we're talking about material possessions that are useful. And if you have livestock that breed and make more livestock, that's like infinite food, infinite clothing, infinite everything. Mm-hmm. So to have a lot of sheep and to have strong sheep that, you know, can continue to reproduce and that can survive the winter and blah, 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 that makes you immeasurably wealthy in this society. So we're really watching Jacob get fucking loaded rich. Mm-hmm. So apparently the Laban family starts to notice that Jacob is, you know, getting pretty rich and they start to get pretty grumpy with the fact that he's hanging around and being like vaguely more successful than they are when in theory they should be about the same. And Jacob is like, uh, what's that God? You want me to go home to my family? Okay, sure thing. So Jacob gets Rachel and Leah and is like, so, okay, here's the thing. Your dad's a dick. And also he's changed my wages 10 times. And keeps trying to cheat me. Do you guys want to get out of here? 
And apparently, God kept doing the kind of spotted speckled thing with the sheep. And now all of the livestock is coming out spotted speckled, like not just the ones that Jacob did his tree branch magic on. So he is slowly stealing all of Laban's herd as the generations are being replaced of these sheep. And so Jacob finally has a dream that an angel of God shows him flocks and all the males are spotted because of how Laban has been treating him. And then the angel says, listen, God says you should get the fuck out of town. I'm the God of Bethel where you anointed the rock and I'm watching out for you. Get the fuck out of here. And this is interesting. The wives are super chill. In Genesis 31, this is verses 14 through 16. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what he has paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Bye, Dad. Yeah, it's very like, listen, you want to sell me and then expect me to be loyal to you? Like, I'm going to be loyal to my husband who gave me babies. Like, I care way more about my sons and their lives than I care about my crusty old dad trying to cheat my husband. Mm -hmm. So they all got to get out of Dodge. And nobody gives Laban any warning. Uh, And apparently, Rachel steals all his household gods. And they all fuck off to Canaan. Household gods? Like little god statues? Yes. So it might be, it can be either singular or plural. The word is teraphim. So that sometimes they do an honorific plural in Hebrew. That's very confusing. But um, yeah, it's like a thing that, and this is really consistent among a lot of ancient religions. There is a belief that the gods live in the statues, that the symbolic representations of the God are the God in at least some way. And so, for example, in uh, Babylon, the patron deity of Babylon was a god called Marduk, and Marduk had a statue in Babylon. And when the, I think it might have been the Elamites, it might have been the Assyrians, it might have been both, but they took Marduk out of the city, and everyone in Babylon lost their goddamn minds. It would be kind of like stealing the Statue of Liberty and also stealing the White House and also stealing the ability to post the American flag anywhere, including online. Like it is like an intrinsic part of their national character. Without it, they are nothing. They have no protection. You know, like this, like we can't even conceptualize how important this was to them. Uh, And obviously in Laban's case, these are just his household gods. It's not the, you know, metropolitan gods that govern hundreds of thousands of people or whatever. Mm -hmm. But to him, that fucking matters because he is literally and figuratively not in the presence of his gods. Like no one is protecting him from misfortune and from demons and from whatever else. Way to go, daughter. Yeah, she's like, yeah, fuck this. (laughs) Yeah. So like the question is, why does she want them? Right? Like, it, it seems that she might be like trying to spite him. She might be trying to take like the honor or the power of the family away. It might be that she's trying to give that power, you know, take it from Laban and then give it to Jacob. There are some like kind of later Christian and Jewish interpretations where she's trying to stop idolatry, right? Like you don't worship these pathetic little statues. You worship one God who doesn't live in a statue. So like, fuck your statues, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and it's possible that they were technically ancestor idols and not just like God idols, which would mean that she's literally taking away the family legacy. Like great, great grandpa's not fucking watching over you, <laughs> which is bleak. It's like the ultimate fuck you. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, fuck you, but also you're going to trip every time you try to walk out your door for the rest of your life. Uh, one of my favorite curses to wish on someone is I hope they slam their finger in a car door every time they get in a car for the rest of their life. My grandma always used to say, I hope you stub your toe. <laughs> like, as people would like leave the house, like if like you left in a huff. Well, you know what? I still love you, but I hope you stub your toe. <laughs> It was like, just as like, oh, dear God. Okay. (laughs) Grandma's such a badass. Mm -hmm. Take no shit. But didn't he like search for them from Rachel? Yes. So on the third day, Laban finds out and goes after them. And then God tells Laban not to say anything to Jacob. But he catches up and he says, why did you sneak off? Like, I would have given you guys a send off. I didn't get to kiss my daughters goodbye. I didn't get to kiss my grandkids goodbye. Like, what the fuck, man? And Jacob is like, listen, I was worried you'd try some funny business with my family. But if anybody here has your gods, they will not live. Go ahead and search us. Because Laban, of course, is just distraught trying to get his gods. And he thinks that Jacob is behind it. So Laban searches the tents. And when he gets to Rachel's, she put the gods in her camel saddle and she's sitting on them so he can't find them. And so he walks in and she's sitting on the camel and she says, oh, no, I can't stand up to greet you. Sorry, I'm on my period. Mm-hmm. And that's just so disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whatever. I'm mm-hmm. dishonored for some reason or whatever. Doesn't even want to be in her presence. Oh yeah. My God, you're so unclean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Jacob gets angry because he's like, you search through everything and you're, you know, wrongfully accusing me. He's like, listen, I had a hard ass fucking life with you. So he, it turns out, spent seven years per wife. So 14 years. And then, of course, Laban was like, please stay. I'll pay you. And that's six more years. So he's like, I had I lived with you for 20 years. I worked for you. You fucked with me. You changed my wages you, you know, made me marry a daughter that I didn't want to fucking marry in this ridiculous bait and switch. Like, dude, I was really nice to you and you were not. Yeah, uncle. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, by the way, if I hadn't had God on my side, if God wasn't making everything better, you might have treated me even worse. Mm -hmm. Like, that's ridiculous. But they kind of decide to bury the hatchet. They build a pile of stones and they eat by it and they make a covenant so there's no lasting ill will. And he promises, Jacob promises to treat Leah and Rachel right. So then Laban kisses everybody goodbye and heads back home. Just sad. (laughs) Yeah. Just like a grumpy old man, like, no. Very like control freak. I really wanted to continue to make my son-in-law miserable. And I guess now that he's stood up to me, I can't do anything about it. So then Jacob is like, okay, I wanted to get away from Laban, but I am not sure if I'm ready for Esau yet. So he sends a messenger to Esau to kind of tentatively ask if he can come home. And he like casually mentions that he's rich now. And he's really, really polite about it. He's like, If you would let me, I would like to come home. And the messenger comes back and says the Esau is coming and he's bringing 400 men. (laughs) 
And so Jacob divides everyone in his camp into two groups so that one half can escape if Esau attacks them. And he prays for God to help because uh, he's like, you're the one who told me to, to come back to the promised land. So like, throw me a fucking bone here, man. And uh, he mentions that God promised his descendants will be like sand in the sea. And he's like, I can't keep having descendants to be sand in the sea if my sons and I all die because my brother fucking kills us. So like, again, bone, throw, please. Jacob prepares a gift for Esau, and the gift is a uh, metric fuckton of livestock. He offers 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. This seems like a lot, but remember that Jacob fucking stole Esau's birthright. So... So then Jacob sends his possessions and family across a river and is alone. And uh, don't really know why he's alone. Don't really know why we're doing this. But he starts wrestling with a mysterious man until daybreak. This is in the Bible. Wrestling? And I'm like, why? What? No other context is given? Like, was there Lady Gaga playing in the background? Like, what? That was my first thought. Like, this sounds gay, brah. Like, so, yeah, I don't really know what's going on, Jacob. What are we doing? But he was alone. Well, and, like, Jacob was the soft boy who was inside reading when his brother was outside playing football. He was wrestling with the guy. They're all oiled up. The man can't overpower him. So he touches Jacob's hip and fucks up the tendon. So apparently it like permanently, like he walks with a limp for the rest of his life. Sounds like the wrestling was kind of rough. Right. <laughs> wait, wait, I know that's because of Jewish. Um... <laughs> I invite you to rephrase that. I know. Um, there's there's like a, a thing that we do as a Jew because of this. What? Yes. So tell me, tell me what my people do. <laughs> apparently Israelites and like the later Jewish tradition is not to eat the tendon that attaches to the hip of animals because yeah. that's where Jacob was touched by God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right, well, that's not as much of a revelation as I thought that was going to be. Honestly, I thought that the story was going to like, I thought that was going to turn out to be way more important later on and it turned like it's just kind of a casual detail and it's like by the way this is a long-standing tradition and i was like really i thought that the story would talk about it more the angel did it because the angel was petty as fuck and was like listen i should have beat you but it's something out of respect for jacob at least this is what my grandpa told me something to do with like the respect and that's why we don't eat that because jacob was strong enough to you know, hold his own against an angel. And so for us to be strong enough against angels, we can't eat the tendon. Right. And I mean, Jacob is also the patriarch of the, well, he will become the patriarch of the family when Isaac dies. Being the patriarch of a mighty family like that, a descendant of Abraham, like that's hugely fucking important. Mm -hmm. So, um... Grandpa Clarence, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) To be someone of that standing alone would be important. To be someone of that standing who wrestled an angel and kind of won. Like, it seems like it was at least kind of a stalemate, but it sounds like Jacob was winning. Uh, you know, that that's a that's a pretty big amount of um, importance for tradition. Hell yeah. Tradition! 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 Uh, so anyway, 
the angel says, let me go. It's daybreak. We've been wrestling all night. I've come like three times. Your hip's all out of place. Um, Neither one of us really are walking away from this. (laughs) Uh, And so Jacob says that he won't let go until the man blesses him. And he says, my name is Jacob. That's my name. You can bless me now. But the man says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome. So Israel can mean he struggles with God. Uh, It also can mean God rules. The SR root is just like in the name Sarah, because remember the name Sarah can mean like queen. So uh, if we get SR in the Israel and then that L at the end means God. So it kind of has, it's ambiguous, but in general, it has kind of a power or overpower connotation and God is in there somewhere. But so anyway, the the person gives him this new name and Jacob says, wait, who are you? Uh, What? And then the angel blesses him. And then we just kind of move on. And the story closes by saying, yeah, Israelites don't eat that tendon. We were like, got it. It's such this weird departure. It's just like what we saw with the Jacob's Ladder episode in the middle of this like petty family squabble. Jacob is really worried that his entire family and all of their servants and stuff are just going to get demolished by basically a rival army that his brother has created. And (laughs) he just like takes a minute to have some homoerotic bro time with an angel. And it's like, I don't know, man, you do you, but (laughs) I'll be over here. Again, remember how we talked in the angels episode about how there's a lot of the angel of the Lord appeared and it's like, is it the angel or is it the Lord? Mm-hmm. Some interpretations of the story say that Israel uh, is the name that is bestowed upon Jacob after Jacob wrestles with God himself. And sometimes it's just that Jacob wrestled with an angel. So we got that kind of thing, that ambiguity in there too. Um, okay, so back to the Esau thing. Jacob is like making all these contingency plans and he's really worried. So his plan is to send the servants and their kids first, then Leah's kids, and then Rachel's kids. And he's really worried that Esau is just going to start killing people. So the idea is if he starts killing people, hopefully he won't get all the way to Rachel's kids and me. Hopefully he'll stop at the servants' kids or, you know, he'll get to the servants' kids and Leah's kids, but Rachel's kids and I can get away. Like, it's so fucking weird. (laughs) That's horrible. Yeah, it's not great. But uh, then, so he bows down seven times as he approaches Esau because he's really worried that Esau's going to start swinging. And then Esau grabs him in a big old hug and they cry and it's lovely. And Esau is like, I don't need your herds. Like, I'm doing great. And Jacob is like, please just like take the gift. Uh, Jacob insists on following behind Esau. And Esau's like, you know, we can ride ahead and send back for the rest of the herds and stuff. And he's like, no, no, I'll follow behind and take care of the herds myself. And, you know, you don't need to worry about escorting me or anything. And he buys some land and he pitches a tent. And that is where we're going to close for the story of Jacob. Wait, really? Yeah. Because then we're going to start talking about the story of um, Dina and like the Shechemites and stuff. So first of all, what do you guys have any initial reactions to seeing Esau again? I mean, the fact that he was just like, bro, welcome home. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I, I'd kind of like to get that version of, you know, what he went through and did he go to therapy to like forgive his brother? <laughs> like what did we work through here? Yeah, he, he really grew. Also, like when did Isaac die? Um, I think Isaac dies in the next couple chapters. So, okay. So at this point, Isaac's still alive. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay so that we don't have the whole like, who's the big daddy going on. Right. And things will not stay super rosy between Isaac and Esau, but at least at this moment, they get a, a beautiful little piece of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, that's that. nice. Yeah. Yeah. What a journey they've been on. You know, I mean, but like Lindum or whatever his name was, <laughs> Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban. I mean, what a dick. Yeah. What a dick. What's up with that? Like, what a, like, and also, like, where's Rebecca at this point? Like, I mean, Rebecca's stuck with Isaac. She can't go anywhere. Right. I know. But, like, I mean, has she been at least nice to Esau this whole time? Like, did she write a letter to her brother and was like, what are you doing with my favorite child? Like, let him come home, you twat. I mean, it's pretty hard to send messages back and forth at this time. Hmm. Uh, she did say, though, that she would send for Jacob when Esau cooled down, and it doesn't sound like that ever happened. That's what I mean. Is like, yeah. was she trying to get her baby boy home, or was she just like, okay, well, I guess, like, have fun in your life. I guess I do love Esau now, because mm-hmm. he's the only one here. Right. Interesting, yeah. So, yeah, we got we got the full kind of array. We got Jacob and Esau... We got the blessing situation and then Jacob's wedding, wives and kids, the in-law conflict. And then we came back to the promised land, which begs the question, what did you guys learn? Well, I learned that family dynamics it's are rough. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean. Dysfunctional. Yeah, I mean, middle name. I just feel like this story was very, like, I feel like every story that we've done before this were very much, like, and here's the open, and here's the close, like, where mm-hmm. I feel like this is when the, I feel like the tides have turned of these Bible stories where, like, things are more, like, people just, it isn't like, and then he died, and it's the next generation story, like, now it's like mm-hmm. things are happening as, like, generations are living together. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I think that there is something to be said about how Adam and Eve, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter one and the creation of the world, Adam and Eve is clearly like a fully mythical story. Like it's clearly not literally true. But mm-hmm. these stories seem to be getting like truer and truer, at least in like a folksy way, where the characters kind of start to be like, yeah, like this is much more plausible like did adam and eve happen probably not did noah happen probably not but you know abraham probably wasn't real but at least there's like a chance that abraham was a collection of people or that you know over the course of 500 years the things that abraham achieved in his life were achieved by several different people and that you know they just kind of got mishmashed and that Mm -hmm. kind of is the uh, that rings true for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. It's definitely like you're starting to see, like, I hate to say this, but like, you know, the the sense of like, oh, we could, you know, we could be part of this too. Type, like, we're part of the story now. If that makes uh, sense. Like, How do you mean? 
like before it was like you said like all like mystical kind of like yeah 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 sure there was like you know god created man like yeah yeah, yeah. but now it's like and the they're more like me now. The people in the story are more like me. Like they're I can, more human, more relatable. Yeah, it's more like watching reality TV, like a yeah. lifetime versus, movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 like a lifetime movie yeah. versus, um, you know, like watching, you know, sci-fi or something. No, I get that. It really helps too that we're naming real place names, so you can go to Israel and you can go to Beersheba and you can say this is where Isaac's tent was when Jacob stole Esau's birthright. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Israel. Let's go. It'll be fun. Once we can go places. Again. Yeah. Okay. So that wraps up our episode about Jacob slash Jacob and Esau. And then next time we're going to be doing Tara's adventure of Jacob's wives. And that includes the story of Jacob's daughter, Dina. Dina. That's our episode. We will see you next time. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome yeah. Back. back. All right. Good day. Good night. Above. See you guys. Yep. Bye. <laughs>I do have a bonus segment, though. Oh, excellent. Just like a real quick one. Uh, it's not super meaty. I fully researched all of it this afternoon. But so this time around, our bonus segment is about the Philistines because we talk about them pretty frequently in the Bible and we don't get like a whole lot of detail of who they are and what they're doing. And we've mentioned Gerar now a couple times in King Abimelech. The Philistines are really hard to talk about. They're super mysterious. There's tons of debate about exactly who they are. The only real thing that we know is that the Israelites had a lot of beef with them. Obviously, King Abimelech ends up signing treaties with Abraham and with uh, Isaac. But like David and Goliath, Goliath is a Philistine. Like this is something that we're going to see over and over and over again. They just seem to be a neighboring people. It's possible that they are related to like the very most ancient ancestors of the Greeks or something like maybe they're Indo-European, maybe they're, uh, you know, Semitic speaking like the Arabs and the Hebrews and everyone else. But like, eh, we don't really know. We do know that because they fought with the Hebrews so much in the Bible, we now use the word Philistine colloquially to mean someone who like hates art and culture. So you can you can still hear people be like, oh, yeah, they're such a Philistine about, you know, fine wines or whatever. And that just means that they're like brutish people who don't understand the fine things in life. They're peasants. Yeah, yeah. They're like primitive. They have their huts and their tents and they just want to kill things. But the really big thing that I wanted to say about the Philistines, besides the fact that they're just people who fought with the Israelites and we don't know a lot about them is do you remember the Roman province that is now modern Israel where Jesus was born? It's called Judea, right? Right. Totally. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh my God, you guys. Really quick on that right. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys know. Okay, well, I've talked about it extensively. Oh, no. <laughs> That's depressing. Judea, Judea. <laughs> I mean, Judea, yes. I just, yeah, the other, yeah. I didn't know yeah. where this was going. And I was like... <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, the, it, it was the Roman province that Jesus lived in. And, you know, we talked about how in Pontius Pilate, the Jewish people in Judea revolted a few times. And then eventually the Romans destroyed their temple in 70 AD, which was mm-hmm. ridiculously sad. Um, so there are other revolts. The Jewish people really don't appreciate having Rome bossing them around all the goddamn time. So they continue to fight. And in the 130s CE, there are what's called the Bar Kokhba revolt. After that point, the Roman emperor Hadrian ordered that the province be renamed from Judea to Syria-Palestina so that it's no longer named for the Jewish people, right? They're kicking the Jews out of Judea. You don't even get to call it Judea anymore. It has nothing to do with you. It's called Syria-Palestina. Well, they named it Syria-Palestina because of, well, Syria is a, a Greek name, but Palestina is named after the Philistines, and that's where we get the name Palestine today. So when we talk about Israel and Palestine, we're talking about the Hebrew-descended people who speak Hebrew and you know have this relationship with Yahweh, and we're talking about a neighboring power with whom there are a lot of violent struggles. And it's like, that's unfortunately very much how the political situation stands today. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. No, yeah, totally. No, so it's like, it's way more rooted than really anybody ever gives it credit for anymore. Yeah, very much so. So that's our episode. We will see you next time. Everybody, yeah, stay safe out there. Stay safe. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I told my brother the other day that I was middle-aged, and he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, oh, Tyler, you think I'm going to live past 60? (laughs) He's like... Oh if you're middle aged, I'm I'm old as fuck. Then yeah, no, you're you're dead. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs>